Father, we come to you today. We thank you because it's true. You overcame the grave. You overcame the power of sin. You overcame all the failure. And you opened a way of possibility and opportunity, the way of life change. Father, we ask today that you'd be with us in this room, that you would work on our hearts and uh, just bring us to that place we need to be. Bring us to that time of surrender. Bring us to that time when we trust you more than ourselves. Bring us to that moment when we say Jesus is Lord of absolutely everything. Father, thank you that he faced all the harshness this world could throw against him. He suffered the worst. And three days later, he walked out alive. Father, we want to walk out of this room today alive in you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you go and have a seat this morning? Well, call by name, take some seat too there, and we get into the Word. Well, we start a new uh, series today. It's called uh, Life Change. And, uh, you know, as uh, Phil said, that's a big phrase for us around here because we're very much about life change. You know, that's what counts. It's not about numbers. It's about how many people's lives are being impacted and how lives are being changed, right? And uh, that's what we're going to talk about uh, in, this, in this series. Uh, we're going to look at uh, kind of the scriptural steps of uh, what it means to experience uh, life change. How does this stuff happen? And, and how can we each, every single day, you know, go through those kind of steps in our own way and be able to experience that, that uh, life change? Now, some of you may be here this morning and, and say, oh, well, hey, I don't need to be here because I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about my life and, you know, it's just fine the way it is. Well, hang with me this morning and hopefully by the end of, the, uh, end of our time this morning, uh, you'll see that life change is an everyday experience and it's for every single one of us, right? And some of us have different issues going on in our life, uh, but nevertheless, it's something we all need to experience every single day. So hang there with me, okay? Well, let's get going. The first one is called Breaking Chains. And uh, kind of our theme verse for uh, this series is uh, Isaiah uh, 57. And uh, we got it off to the side here this morning, so you really got to work at it because it's about life change. So you got to change your attitude. We're not going to make it easy for you. You got to work. Get in on this, okay? You ready? Because we never make mistakes around here. So here's the way it goes. Holy Spirit stuff. Here's the way it goes. Isaiah says this. Uh, I have seen what they do, but I will heal them anyway. I will lead them. I will comfort those who mourn, bringing words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace both near and far, says the Lord, who heals them. Now that is an awesome life change statement. Now just look at that, that statement that Isaiah makes. Uh, you know, speaking the word, word of the Lord here, just look at the, the steps that are involved in what God wants to do in our lives, right? In your life. First of all, he says, I will heal them anyway. What does he want to do in your life? Well, he wants to heal your life, right? If it's not in the right place, he wants to get it in the right place. He wants to bring healing in, into your life, whether that's emotional healing, physical healing, relationship healing, whatever it is that's going on in your life. His goal is to bring some healing uh, into your life. Next step, he says, I'm going to heal them, but then I'm also going to, I will lead them. You see it? He is absolutely capable and ready to take charge of your life. And he knows exactly where your life needs to go. And he is prepared to take you there. He will heal you and he will lead you. Along the way, he says, I will also, I will 
Comfort. You see that? I will comfort those who mourn. So he's going to be able to bring healing into your life. He's going to give direction to your life, take it to a new place. And he's also going to do it in a compassionate and comforting way. Right? He's a God who's willing to walk with you in this experience of life change. And notice how he's ready to move your life from that place of kind of needing healing with him leading you and comforting you. And by the time you go through these steps, what's the outcome? He says, your, your lips now are going to be filled with words of praise. You see that? Bringing words of praise to the lips. That's life change. Your life's going to go from what it, what it was to what, what God dreams and knows it can become. And the outcome of that is your lips now are going to be all about him. That your lips are not going to be moaning and groaning anymore about all your problems and all the things that are going on in your life that are contrary to his word and creating failure in your life. Now, he says, your lips are going to be lips that praise him. A whole new focus with your words, your thoughts, and your actions. And ultimately, he says that they may have abundant peace. Don't you notice he's not just really ready to settle for just bringing peace to your life. He wants to bring what kind of peace? Abundant. You see that? Abundant peace. He never does anything on a small way. He wants to bring overflowing peace. He wants what's going on, this life change that goes on in your life to go from one place to a place of praise and peace so that it overflows into other people's lives. This is what we're going to talk about. This is the experience that absolutely every one of us need to have in our lives every single day. How can I say that? How do I know that's true? Well, the Bible explains the reality of who we are. It's very clear about the problems we have at our core as broken human beings. And the core problem we have, we can describe and say, is that when it's our way, that's our issue, right? Our issue is we want everything our way. If you look again at Isaiah 57, these are the verses right before what we just read. Isaiah says, I was very angry with them. They always long for more and more of everything. Ring true to our world? They always long for more and more of everything. So I punished them for that sin. I turned my face away from them because I was angry. But they kept on wanting what? Isn't that us? All right, parents, take your kids to the grocery store, to the checkout counter, where there's all the candy and the gum and all that stuff. I mean, you ever hang out at a grocery store checkout counter? How many times do you see the truth of kids wanting their own way? It's true, right? It's the way we are, right? And guess what? Even though you're adults, you're a kid at heart. You're a kid at heart. I mean, that's, that's just part of the way where our brokenness is made, right? We just kind of want life to go our way. We, we want things to be our way. We want things according to our decisions. We want things according to what our desires is. We want things according to what my dream is for my life the way I want it to be. We just have this part of us, this broken part of us, that is so selfish and self-focused, we, we just want to look through the lens of life and say, this life is all about me. And we just want our own way. And the Bible says that is our core problem. That's our core issue. And if we follow that, it's going to lead to destruction. If you look at Proverbs 14, it says, There is a way that may seem right to a man, but it ends, in the end, it leads to 
You see, we may think, oh, no, this is it. This is, that's the right way to be. This is the right way to act. This is the right. I actually have had people come into my office, sit down with me, and explain to me in rational terms why they ought to leave their spouse and be with the person they've been having an affair with because it is absolutely the best thing for them, the best thing for their spouse, and the best thing for this person. And they explain it rationally and say it's the right thing to do. And the outcome we know is what? Destruction. It's just going to destroy lives. Because that's not the way God wants it. It's the way I want it. It's the way they want it. It's not about what God wants. It's all about what they want. My own way. And that always leads us to a place of death. It always leads us to a place of destruction. If you look at Paul, Paul describes this power at work in our life. He says, we know that the law is holy, but I'm not. I am not. I've been sold to be a slave of sin. I don't understand what I do. I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do what I hate to do. But I do what I don't want to do. So I agree that the law is good. As it is, I am no longer the one who does these things. It is sin living in me that does them. See, Paul just understands at our core what our problem is. And our problem is that little word, sin, the Bible uses. And basically, you know, it's S, big I, little N, me in the middle of everything. It's back to, I just want my own way. I just want it my way. And we put ourselves on the throne of our lives. And, and how does that work? Couples in marriage, how does that work? When, when both the husband and the wife put themselves on their own throne and say, listen, life is all about me. Not so good, right? And it'll probably lead to destruction. You see, that's the outcome the Bible wants us to understand and avoid. Is that when we live our life that way, and we all do it, that's why I can confidently say to you, everybody in this room needs life change. Because we all do it. It's all part of us. And if, if we're on the throne of our lives, then guess who isn't on the throne? Obviously God, right? If, we, if it's all about me and my decisions and my way, then it's not God's way. Genesis 3, we get the experience of Adam and Eve, and, and we see what the core is, and it's not the apple, the core of what the issue is. It says, God knows that when you eat the fruit of that tree... You will know things you've never known before. Oh, yeah, you will. You will be able to tell the difference between good and evil, and you will be like... You'll be your own God. See, this is our core issue. We have to understand. Our core issue is we want it our way. And we try to take control of our own lives. And we just aren't capable of it. We aren't capable of it. What happens? We take care of our own lives, we get involved in things, and we let things move into our lives, and they take over our lives, and we know, we know they're destructive, but they capture us anyway. And we all develop these secret sins in our lives. We all develop these habits and behaviors in our life that, that we know it's just not the way we're supposed to be, but we just, we just do it. We just do it. And then what happens? We live in fear. Fear creeps into our life. What's the fear? The fear is somebody's going to find out. The fear is that somebody's going to find out 
that, that I've got this secret sin, this habit in my life, that, that I've got stuff going on in my life that I'm ashamed of. And, and so we live in fear and we try to convince ourselves we got it under control and, and we convince ourselves I can handle it and, and I can keep everything, you know, private and nobody will ever find out. If you look at Genesis, Adam and Eve tried to do that. It says, then the man and his wife heard the Lord walking in the garden. It was the coolest time of the day. They hid from the Lord uh, God among the trees of the garden. Why did they do that? Because they heard God coming. And the man says, I was afraid, I was naked, so I hid. What happened when he took control of his own life? Fear and nakedness. You see, we've all got this stuff going on in our lives. That, that just, that brokenness compels us into. And when we get there, we get afraid. Not only does fear creep in, but frustration also begins to form. Right? We get frustration going because we know we just, it shouldn't be part of our lives. But, but somehow we just keep desiring it. Right? I mean, why is it that somebody will have an affair with somebody and then they'll confront it and say, no, it's over, it's done with, we broke it off, I'm never going to see him again. But what happens two or three months later? They're right back at it. Why? Because it's captured them and, and it's taken control of them. And they just have to get back at it. It's got a hold on them. And, and it frustrates them because they just can't seem to not do it. That's what happens. Frustration comes in because we understand it's out of control. It just gets out of control. If you look at Paul in Romans, he understands life out of control. He says, here is the law I find working in me. When I want to do good, evil's right there with me. Deep inside me, I find joy in God's law. But I see another law working in the parts of my body. It fights against the law of my mind. It makes me a prisoner of the law of sin. That law controls the parts of my body what a terrible failure I am. Do you sense Paul's frustration in that last phrase? What a terrible failure I am. When we have these secret sins working in our lives, that's what's in our guts. The frustration of the failure of it. It's not just fear. It's not just the frustration. It's also just plain old fatigue. Right? We, we convince ourselves, I've got it under control. I can handle it. Don't worry, I can quit any time I want. Ever hear that one? Don't worry, I can quit any time I want. I've got it under control. Yeah, not really. And we see fatigue creep in as it just weighs us down, and it weighs us down. Uh, David, King David, is he a guy who had some secret sins going on in his life? Yeah, you know, a little, little adultery, a little murder, you know. Got a tough thing to keep control of, right? So he's got some secret sins going on in his life. Here's what he says. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. It just takes a toll on our lives. It just takes a toll on our body. This stuff just... Wears it out when we try to do it ourselves. It just wears us out. And ultimately, we're left with failure. Because we can't do it. We just can't control it. Ultimately, we're going to get to that place where it's just like, you know, it always comes out in the end. Heard that phrase? It always comes out in the end. 
If you look at Proverbs 28, Proverbs 28 says, Anyone who hides his sin doesn't succeed. You can't. But anyone who admits his sin and gives them, gives them up finds mercy. See, the reality for us is, and why we all need life change is, we're all in the same place. We all have this part of us that just gets captured by wanting our own way. And we get these secret things going on. And they have such a power on us. What's the answer? Well, the biblical answer is the first step. The first step to life change is simply you have to recognize that you don't have the power. You don't have the control and that you are a broken human being. And you are prone to do things contrary to God's desire and will. It's the simple first step that just gives up and says, I'm broken, I'm sinful, I can't do this on my own. It's the simple first step of surrender. If you look at James 4, James 4 says, God continues to give us more grace. That's why scripture says, God opposes those who are proud, but he gives grace to those who are not. Who does God oppose? The proud. Who's the proud? I got it under control. Don't worry. I can quit whenever I want. I've got it all handled. It's just fine. I'm doing great. I'm absolutely good. It's going my way. Not really. Who does he reward? When you take the first step. When you say, I can't do it. And I need Jesus Christ. And that's the second step. You see, you take the first step when you realize your own brokenness, when you realize your own sin, and you just come clean. And you take the second step when you say, I need somebody else to sit on the throne because I don't belong there. I need somebody else to be in charge of my life because I can't do it. I need somebody else to take the lead in my life and make the decisions in my life because when I do it, I mess it up. I need to just surrender to somebody. And I need to know that that somebody is not just a God who exists, but is a God who has the power to change my life. Second step, we know that God exists, but we know a God who is personal, and this God has the power to make life different. If you look at Hebrews 11, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Those who come to God must believe that He exists, and they must believe that He rewards those who look to Him. We know there is a God, but even more than that, for us, we can know this God personally, right? If you look at Colossians 1, it says, Christ is the exact likeness of God. God was pleased to have his whole nature living where? In Christ. What does that mean? When you surrender your life, you don't surrender your life to just a God who exists. You surrender your life to a personal Savior. You, you surrender to somebody who has walked this earth, who has been up against the darkest places of sin and the power of evil in the world. You surrender yourself to somebody who understands every single thought, breath, and decision you've ever made in life. You surrender yourself to somebody who went to a cross, bore everything for every mistake you have ever made and ever will make in your life. And three days later, he walked out and said, I'm going to give you a life. I'm going to give you life change. You see, you surrender yourself to this person. This person. And this person knows everything about you. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It comes out of Psalm 56. It's such an incredible image of how, how intimately 
God knows everything in your life. Here's what he says. You, God, keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Isn't that an awesome image? Can you imagine? Can you picture that? That that somewhere God has a bottle, and in that bottle is every single tear that's ever been shed by you. That's how intimately he knows you. That's how intimately he cares about you. And that's how intimately he wants to get involved in your life and make it a new life, a changed life. Psalm 103 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. See, this whole life change thing, it's not about who we are. Once, once we understand who we aren't, right, Lord of our lives, once we understand who we aren't, we can understand who God is. And we can know this God. We can trust this God. Because this is a kind and compassionate God who wants to rule our life, who wants to take our life in life change to a new place. And he wants to give you triumph. Here's one of the key things. When you take step number one, you're saying, listen, I can't do it, right? I just can't do it. I don't have the power to do it. When you take step number two and you say, I need Jesus Christ in my life and I know he cares about me and I know he can give me the power. Here's the key. He's already won the triumph. He's already won the triumph. He just wants to pour it into your life. If you look at Paul in Romans, he says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it. Say receive it. Yeah, I got to do that. For all who receive it will live in what word? Wow. Did you hear that? You see, when you take step one and say, I can't do it. You take step two, you say, listen, but I know who can See, whatever's going on in your life, whatever that secret sin that's in your life, whatever that brokenness in your life, whether it's a big one or a small one or anywhere on the spectrum, whatever it is that's going on in your life, I know somebody who can take charge of that and cast that out of your life. I know somebody who can move into your throne, can take over your life, and he will heal you and he will comfort you and he will guide you to a place of triumph and a place of peace that is absolutely abundant. And his name is Jesus Christ. That's the way it works. That's life change. We get life change when he takes over. We get life change when he pours his triumph into the smallest struggles of our life. Whatever it is that's got you, whatever challenge is in your life right now, he has the answer and he has the power to be able to overcome it. If you look at Philippians 2, Paul says, Dear friends, You always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, even more important, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now look at verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. What does he give us? The desire and the power to please him. That's life change. That's life change. When you go from a desire and a power that's ruling your life where you say it's all about me 
to a place in your life where you have a power and a triumph working that says it's all about Him. It's all about Him. That's life change. And that's what He offers each one of us. Now, you may be sitting there this morning and saying, listen, I'm, I'm not dealing with drugs. I don't have a problem with alcohol. But you know what? It's not just, you know, drugs and alcohol. There's all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds. Some of you are struggling just going to the refrigerator too often, right? Some of you are struggling because you got depression just overwhelming some of your days. You know, some of you are struggling because relationships just never seem to work. Something always seems to get in the way. Something always seems to happen, and it makes it go wrong. I mean, there's all kinds of places where that power of sin takes over and rules our life. I want to make the invitation today. We're starting to celebrate recovery ministry because this is life change, and that's what we're committed to. And I know that the biggest thing that's going to keep you away is the first thing we talked about. You're going to try to deny it, and you're going to try to convince yourself, and you're going to, try to say, listen, that's for other people. That's not for me. I've got it under control. I'm okay. No, you're not. No, you're not. I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? You show up on Monday night, and, and you get juiced by having people around you who are working on the same thing, uh, uh, trying to keep their life together in a good way and trying to give Christ triumph over their life. How bad is that? I just want to make the invitation. If you're struggling, this is a ministry for you. This is a ministry that can bring you to that place of life change. To understand, I can't do it. It's just not in me. But there's somebody who can. And his name is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you. We do go through all kinds of struggles, Lord. Some of them emotional, financial. Some are just uh, relationships to get guessed up. And even our own spiritual life. Lord, we overwork. We overeat. We get captured by depression. We feel guilty. There's just all kinds of stuff, Lord, where sin just moves in and takes over. So we ask today just to help us to take the step. Take the step to say it's not about us, it's not our way, we can't do it ourselves, Lord, and move into our hearts and move into our lives. Bring that healing, bring that comfort, lead us and infuse us with that triumph that we can have that abundant peace. Lord, we thank you and praise you for who you are and for your precious Son, Jesus Christ. And we give our lives to him. In Jesus' name, amen.